So yeah, guys, the reason I did that uh, specific beatbox today was because the intro song for Pat Oates' podcast, Pat Oates is Sad, is Don't Worry Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin, and Pat Oates is our guest today, so how fitting. What an episode it was. It was it was really huge for me uh, because Pat Oates is one of the first comedians in the comedy scene that you meet. We, we, we talk about that. Uh, early on in the episode like as as a young comedian like southern connecticut a lot of us first dealt with pat because he was booking for joker's wild so this is a this is a great episode for reminiscing if you're of that era who got you know who, who had the privilege or curse if you will uh to be associated with joker's while it was still an operating club joker's wild of course in new haven this is also a great episode for younger comics who have only heard about the, the, those days but never got a chance to experience it because we go a little in-depth and and how all that worked. And on top of that, it's just a great all-around episode. There's a real awesome piece of knowledge that Pat drops on us uh, toward the end when I asked that big last question. And I've been thinking about it since what he talked about. So I would love to hear what, you, what all of your feedback is. But other than that, uh, again, thank you guys so much for coming back. This is been such an awesome experience i i'm starting to uh the the podcast is growing it's it's growing people are starting to listen to it that i don't know so people uh you know i've had this lifelong pursuit of wanting to be some type of public figure and i guess it's it's starting to lean that way and on a very small scale because there are people who know my personality know my work know what i'm trying to accomplish out there who have never met me and i hope to meet all of you one day but uh, yes, the, the podcast is growing and, and, and people are listening. We're, we're having returning listeners. And, and what really warms my heart about all that is I'm doing with the podcast what I've always loved about all the things that I do, and that's community. I'm creating a community of my own. With community theater, I love being a part of both the actors on stage and the people who come and watch theater. I love that community. With lifting, it's the same way. I love all the people that I've met in the in the lifting community and the running community, all the things that I do, comedy, all 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 these things I'm involved in. One of my favorite parts about it is that we're all all these people come together from all different walks of life because they have similar interests. But with what I'm doing with Good Enough right now, is this community is directly related to this idea that I had this this idea that you are good enough that that the only way to get better is to look yourself in the mirror and know that you're already okay because you can't improve something that you hate guys remember that you cannot you know nobody's going to want to improve something they hate you got to be all right with yourself to make any real progress that's my belief and i think that's a lot of your beliefs as well otherwise why would you be here because you hate me i was thinking of that earlier a couple of people are probably hate listening to this podcast which i find hysterical and also it's welcomed because you're just a number on the uh, on the charts for me it's just another download like thank you for that but I mean, you know, may- maybe you might accidentally discover a little bit of inspiration in all this. You're like, why is this guy that I hate so goddamn happy? Uh, because I put my time into things that I love. And maybe you should stop listening to a guy that you hate and go do something that makes your life better. Uh, if you're one of the people who hate listen to this. I could also be making this up. There, you know, this could just be an anxious paranoia of mine. And like maybe every single person who listens to this uh, loves me. That's probably not true now that I say that out loud. Yeah, definitely have hate listeners. But I appreciate all of you nonetheless. And if you are enjoying this podcast, what I ask you to do, whatever platform you're listening to, right? whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, if you could just for one minute, pause it. And there should be a button somewhere along there, like a little three dots somewhere you could press 
that will lead you to share this episode and just share it with somebody who you know for sure has no idea who the hell I am. Uh, no idea who the what the hell good enough is. Specifically someone who listens to podcasts. Specifically someone who might be into self-help, who might be into comedy. Some of the some of the themes that we discuss on this show. If you're at episode four by now, you have a decent idea of what this show is supposed to be. So you might be able to help me find my audience because you know the show just as well as I do. Maybe even better. So I'd appreciate that a lot, guys, because, uh, I mean, I'm not making any any money off this podcast yet. There might be something, I might monetize it in the future if it's popular enough, uh, or maybe sell some merch, but like, that's not the goal of this. The goal is I love doing it. I love sitting down with people that I love or people that I want to know more about. I love telling stories and I love getting a chance to be me because when I'm acting, I'm obviously not being me. I'm being some, I'm being my idea of somebody else. I'm creating a character. When I'm on stage doing comedy, that's me, but it's me trying to be funny. And that's not me all the time. When I'm on this mic, it really is me allowing myself to be me. And I'm, I really love that opportunity. And while I'm giving myself that opportunity by paying for the studio time and putting in the effort to keep this podcast going, ultimately what's going to make me keep doing it is that people like it. People are like, dude, this is, this is all right. I like this. I like this thing. I like this thing you're doing. So that the support is amazing, and please help me find my audience. I, I, I would love that. But right now, I do have an audience. I do have a little community that I've built, and I love you guys so much for that. It, it warms my heart every damn day to know that there's a few dozen or so people returning every week to hear what I'm trying to accomplish with this thing. And I, I hope I could only improve it more and more in the future. But that being said, I've said everything I need to say today, and that uh, that's all for me today. But I'm going to let you get to episode four with Pat Oates. Thanks, everybody. Couldn't afford the rights to any songs, so I wrote this one. We're not the best, but we're good enough. Let's start the podcast now. And we're live. Uh, how we doing, folks? Uh, I'm here today with uh, one of my one of the first comedians, really, I met in comedy. Uh, one of the first comedians, many comedians meet in comedy if they start out in Connecticut, and that is Pat Oates. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Pat? Well, you kind of just did, but all right. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. I am also still Pat Oates. You still are Pat Oates. I am. I that was, hasn't changed. I okay. am, and I will be forevermore. And yes, it's nothing made me feel sadder to know I'm the first thing people meet. Yeah. Yeah, I am, well, I am the uh, the doorkeeper to this hell. Literally, you comedy. you are the liaison to uh, Connecticut comedy, man. I, I I feel I feel like you're such a such a part of such a part of the comedy culture, in uh, in this happy little state. Yes, when you when you won't go away, you become that. You know what <laughs> I mean, it's like that lovable hobo in a town. Where at first, you're like he's scary. After a while, like, oh yeah, he's a charm. That's exactly what you are. You I are am. a lovable hobo. I'm a, lovable, Big I'm, a tra- time. I'm a tramp and a scam. Yeah, and over the four years that I've I've known you, you've definitely become a little bit more lovable. Uh, as far as I mean, I, 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 you're feeding the hobo. You know exactly. what I mean? It's finally happening. Exactly. I was starving, but now I'm happy. I get chicken nuggets. It's good. We're That's doing fantastic, well. man. Yeah. Um, used to, I mean, always always was cool with you, but. God, it used to be hard to talk to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, also and you've softened up a lot over the years, which is it, great. Combination yeah. so, soft up because for a couple reasons. One, personally, I've softened up and, and been happier. But more importantly, when you met me, I had a job that was running a comedy club, and therefore wasn't able to be one of the guys. No, my job true. was not that. My job was to deal with 
you were coming and talking to me, but so were 60 to 70 other people all mm-hmm. the time looking for something. And my job was to make sure to run that place and not make sure anyone could pay favorites or anything like that. But also, I was there 10, 12 hours a day. When you guys would show up at like 7 o'clock and go think it's just the beginning of the day, I was eight hours in. Oh, good so, Christ. And then I had to be there all day, all night, host an open mic with 40 people at it, to deal with each person being mad because they didn't get to go eighth because they all want to go eighth. And comedians so, are terrible to deal with in any capacity. Not always, let, but, yeah, but, but younger, younger ones are, ones that don't get it. 40 and open it, mics. And I had to host that whole thing, be done at 2 o'clock, clean the place up, make sure all the money's done the ways that all that stuff and then be back by 9 10 a.m and that was five six days a week Damn. and trying to work my own comedy as well so yeah i was an angrier person because if i bothered you at work all day you'd also some days be like what the fuck right and it wasn't anyone's fault but that's where i was but now that i don't book or run clubs and just get to do comedy i am happier when i'm out places because i'm just one of the guys now you that I mean? actually is a perfect segue into uh the first question i like to ask my guests um we'll get into some other stuff that i wanted to speak uh talk to you about but uh so what makes you happy pat what are what are what are some what what puts my, a smile on your face? What are you passionate about? My kids. Yeah, that's the number one. Always will be. Oh, my son's birthday was yesterday. He just turned fourteen. My daughter's oh, seventeen. Happy birthday, Seamus! Yeah. I can't. I know your son's name because you talk about it, and it's impossible to forget the name Seamus. Yeah. Seamus and Ashlyn. I, they're mentioned on every uh, album. Uh, they've got their own names on tracks and everything. That's and, awesome. Uh, which the, they like and don't like, but that's fine. Right. But um, no, they're they're everything to me, and they will, and they have been since. I'm that. I'm not. The marriage didn't work out, but the two best gifts I ever got were them. So that's what drives me to do everything. And I'm going to chase a dream my entire life to show them that you don't have to just do stuff because people want you to. Hell yeah. And I mean, to me, I'll push myself because they're like, wow, dad does what he loves. You know what I mean? So why not keep pushing it? And they're cool with it. They're not embarrassed by their dad not having all the things that a lot of their dads have and stuff right. like that because I'm chasing this dream I love. and. They get to come to shows and have fun, and, and we have, we we enjoy it together. Right. I'm teaching them it's okay to be silly. That's a, that's a good thing. That's an incredible thing. I think there needs to be way more of that. People are so damn. I want I don't want to say stuck up, but afraid to have yeah. a good time. Like a like the, w- this idea of being childish or immature. Like once you become an adult, you have to have less fun. You have to buckle down, hunker down, and and not not be so, it, immaturity gets associated with having fun too often. And and I don't know if those are necessarily bad things, but like. Yeah, just to just to joke around a little bit more and have a little bit more fun with life. That's a great thing. I was at a, uh, I had to perform in Boston a couple weeks ago, and I was staying at an Airbnb, and in there was a an Asian couple that were there, and they were arguing. In, I think he was Japanese. They were Japanese, but they right. were arguing in their language. I was not paying attention. I was and I'm not going to ask you to do an impression because I'm, this is not a racist podcast. No, and, 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 and that'll get racist this, real quick. And this story isn't racist anyway. No, it, it, I don't even know what they were talking about. But it was obviously a heated argument. You can tell by body language and all that. Right. And so I have to turn around just because it was awkward in the room. And in English, almost like I hit like a like a closed caption button <laughs> for no reason. In English, he looks at her and just goes, not today. Don't be silly today. And I <laughs> That went, was what he decided to say in English? And I just said out loud, oh, come on, man. Let her be silly. And they both looked at me. <laughs> and I was just like... I didn't even realize, A, what, do you not have a word for silly? And right. So that, that makes me sad if you don't have a word for silly in your language. And I took that thing, and I've been doing it on stage, but also t- talked to my kids about it. Don't be them. Don't ever be a point in life where someone has to tell – if you're around anyone that tells you you can't have fun Ugh. because it's too because everything's too important. We, I deal with all pain 
anything. Someone passes away, if, I, if, I, if I'm going through depression, anything in life, by making fun of it. Hell That's what yeah, I've done man. my whole life. Yeah, you process now, it. You want to you want to make sure you take care of other people's feelings. You don't want to trash them when they're. When it's not how they process. Right. But don't ever stop anyone from going through their process in life. Yeah. So right? my kids, I always tell them. Don't be afraid to say whatever you want to say and always be silly. Besides that, just handle it on your own. Don't be afraid what you want to Anything you want to say. say. And, and don't be afraid. So, I mean, say. you want to swear? Swear. They're words. Don't, right. put, don't put power on words. Yeah, it's so strange. It's like, hey, you can't use these words right now. In like five to six years, nobody could say anything to you and we're not going to ever complain about your language. But right now it's bad and I'm going to say them in front of you and prove to you that all adults do it. <laughs> we're, we're a tribe and it's a weird rite of passage. We, we believe that when we become the elders, we get to have this thing. Yeah. So we're like, you know, when, you know, you can't do that now because you're young. But when you're old, you can be the jerk we're telling you not to be. Yeah. And then, and then, you, get the, but then you also get to yell at the young ones that they can't do it. Right. It's a very odd tradition so that strange. we passed on, and I've let my kids swear since they were little, not because I want them to be disrespectful, because I don't want them to ever be afraid of any words to me. Yeah. And if th swear words get in the way, then they won't talk to me mm -hmm. about anything and share stuff. So my kids and I have a great relationship because I don't ever put any like fences or walls between us. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. No. I, I, so I, that's I it. That, that my my number one thing, the thing that makes me happy, is them. And then two, real close, is comedy. Very cool. Real close. I've given up. Comedy's ruined everything but the kids. Marriage, <laughs> jobs, everything. My personality never worked in jobs. It only works in comedy. Right. I was a salesperson. It didn't work because I would try make fun of things or whatever. Couldn't take things seriously. It could seriously. bring you a little, like, it, it could it could move the goalpost a little bit through sales, but eventually. Not mine. Then, yeah. Not, not mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty brutally honest. It, it doesn't really work out well. And the more you get into comedy, the more you realize it's hard to listen to people's pains. Because you're trying to focus on relating to them and getting your message across. Right. So as a salesperson, you want to hear their pain, understand what they need, and then make something happen that works for them. But as a comic, you want to just give out your message, mm -hmm. and you kind of just want them to smile and go, good job, yay! And, and also make laugh at their pain at some point. Right, like or at least elicit a feeling. At some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's like something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it goes kids, comedy, and that's it. That's awesome, man. So uh, what do you think is going to make the world a better place? Um, what, everything we're going through right now, the world always changes every 20, 30 years. So we look at it now and everyone's like, oh, now it's a PC culture. In 20, 30 years, we're going to be saying the most messed up things you've ever heard. It's going to be the opposite. It's going to be yelling. It's going to be le way less sexual, but way more rude. Mm -hmm. And it's going to flip that way. The same way, if you look at the 60s, and it was very sexual, but very peaceful. Right. We keep flipping back and forth. So eventually, we're going to learn from all these mistakes, and we're just going to let people be people. But you I think? I do, because <laughs> I sure we're, so. we're going to get so tired of the fact that we, can, we know everyone that social media weirdly is going to find a, an out. It's going to almost become like people using CBs in walkie-talkies where it's going to be I, I people being there sitting in because we all can do it. You and I are podcasting yeah. right now. 30 years ago, we could never imagine everyone having a radio show or everyone having their own profile page on yeah. the internet. It's a, that Everyone's was a public figure stuff. now. Yeah. When I was growing up, that was science fiction. Looking into a, like a, a tablet and speaking to someone, that was science fiction. We're living That's it now. Point. So now we've gotten there so fast that we're so such a small world that we know everything. We're, we're getting tired of that. There's no more discovery. There's no more it, learning. We just hit a button and it's there. We don't. Yeah, there's no process. Instant gratification. I, I describe it as like, um, were you ever into video games at all? Yeah. That instant gratification. So 
playing a video game is great. You have fun going from the beginning to the end and earning everything. But now and then you'd use these cheat codes. And I noticed as a gamer, you know, I, I played video games my whole life. The games where I did the cheat codes from the beginning, I like it was fun for 30 seconds. Right. And I pretty much threw the game in the garbage because it wasn't fun anymore. Those cheat codes, that instant gratification, taking away the journey, taking away the process from getting from, uh, from point A to point B takes all the life out of something. I and like playing. I, I used I to love playing a game all the way through on my own, and then go get the cheat codes or the book. Like God of War was yeah. the first one I did that yeah, with. Yes, God of War was a great like, game to do that with. I, there were things I did miss. Yeah. by looking through the book the second time, and uh -huh. it was fun to go. Oh, okay, I missed this, but I always liked figuring out first. Then I liked learning the ins and outs of it. Right. I'm the same way with comedy. I like doing comedy, but I needed to run a comedy club. I needed to learn the business side. Once I start liking something, I want to do it on my mm -hmm. own first, and then learn all the ins and outs. So that's all the same way. But I really do think the world's going to become better once we pull back from having to have everything at our fingertips nonstop. When we get yeah. back, we, we pull back a little bit. We'll, we'll appreciate it. We didn't have it before, so we were angry, racist, weird things. But now we're angry, racist, weird things that can tell each other we're angry, weird, weird things immediately. immediately. We're going to pull back and not... We're going to be mad at each other for certain things, but I won't be race, religion, whatever. It's going to be stupider. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like, like vegan. And that'll be the joke now. That will be a real thing. Oh, that'll for be, sure. And no, no, that'll no, be I mean, the angers. You, you but see we won't yell it, it as much. Yeah, we won't yell at it as much to each other because we're going to pull off this. Like, it's going to be cool to be on an old-style telephone again. It's going to be cool to, like, write a letter. That's going to become a well, thing. You know what I, I'm, I see happening is that, uh, so I feel like we've uh, fixtured social media and all, all of these technologies into our life right now like they're here to stay. But I have a feeling the next generation, seeing how stupid we were with social media, especially in 2016, like seeing how dumb this generation got with social media, I think they're going to be off it. I think they're going to go, you're going to start seeing generations of kids who are like retro, not just in what they wear, but the way they act. Like it'll be cool to have a flip phone or not have a phone at all. Well, that, yeah, that will right now, this gener the younger kids, my, my kids' ages, stuff like that, everyone can do whatever they want in front of everyone in a second. Like I watch I sit there and I'll watch a lot of the YouTube comedy with that. I know a lot of comics get mad at that. I don't. I love new media. I like new You're things. talking about like uh YouTube YouTubers. YouTubers. People that's strictly like that. their medium. Right. Well they where they just crap on stuff, whatever. Like there's a couple of them like Danny Gonzalez. I truthfully enjoy it. Mm -hmm. They make me laugh. They're very funny. And um and I can watch that with them. But the thing is and these guys, some of them are talented, but every person has a YouTube channel. Like children selling Legos with their family on, by getting commercials and sponsors. Right. Everyone has that. What's going to happen is, like Andy Warhol said, that everyone's going to get 15 minutes. We did, but it's weird and it's not cool. It's not cool fame. We just, everyone, we can find everyone. You meet a person, you can look them up on a device in two seconds and know everything. It's true. You don't have to get to know anyone anymore. So I think with, like, in two generations from now, people are going to go, I just don't want to be known. And they're not going to put themselves on yeah. video. They're not going to put themselves on social media. And they're going to go, it's kind of cool just to get to know someone. And I think there's going to be cool little, like, almost like prohibition type places that are just bars, but no TVs, no social media, no advertising. I, I, I could see it almost going that way where it's going to be like hipstery to not be that way. Mm -hmm. And people are going to, whatever term they give the, the hipsters then. But that's kind of what it's going to become. And I think that'll take two or three generations, but that'll be the way it happens. Yeah. Where we'll, people will just be like, 
yeah, I don't want to be on there. My grandfather had a YouTube channel. Right. That's going to be a sentence. My grandfather had a YouTube channel. That's a good point. And, and, and no one wants to do what their grandfather did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's like my grandpa used to do the Charleston. Like, what the hell is that? Grandpa, you're old. <laughs> shut up. But like, that was, the, they're all different things. Someone's going to, they're going to look at these things we're doing now and it's not going to be cool. That's a good point. You know what no, I mean? So I think I that'll entirely. be the change. So it's already starting. To, a lot of the stuff is starting to feel really, uh, I could see where it's going to get uncool. I could see how, just like in the past few years, where like, like Instagram was cool at first with like like going on and seeing all the influencers and seeing like oh my god like the the whole culture of like girls with booty pics and stuff like that but it's not even like all that stuff it's like you just scroll past it now you know it's it's not there's no novelty to it and it's not like uh it's not it's it's just not as entertaining anymore like people want a little bit something more something that isn't just a digital just content the word content we've used the term rabbit hole more now than when there actually were rabbit holes yeah because people are so bored with this amazing thing yeah that infinite scroll feature is terrible but think about at the beginning it was like wow i can find this out oh and then this out and it used to be a skill a guy at a bar used to be the guy who could get free drinks from people would be the guy who had information in his head. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, who was the 13th president? And this guy would just shout it out like, ah, oh, that's Joe. He always yeah. just knows stuff. But now Joe doesn't matter because you can just Google it. You don't talk to Joe anymore. True. We don't talk to each other in that way. That, that kind of person's going to want to be back. You know what right. I mean? But now we just go, who's the 13th president? And then you Google it. And then it goes, 13th president, you know what fetish he liked? And then you go, wait, what? And you click on that and you're like, if you like that fetish, you probably have this disease. You're like, huh, what? <laughs> And what, you keep exactly. going down, and then you've been on your computer for fucking ten hours, and haven't talked hours. to anybody, right, right. and it's and you didn't really learn anything. And You're like, you what for- did I first look up for? And you forgot to email your grandmother like you had planned on, like like and whatever you had planned on doing, you got completely sidetracked and gained nothing. And grandma needs that email. She really, she needs really that email. does. She's gonna email you cookie emojis, exactly, because <laughs> you're not gonna, no one eats cookies anymore, right? So. Um, so all this, uh, so so how, how many years you've been doing comedy now? Twelve. Twelve. Actually, year? this week is the twelve-year anniversary. Woo! Damn. I don't, I don't have a, a soundboard, but if I did, it would be, you'd be really. You mad made a sound, and I was said, bored. Exactly. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so twelve years in comedy. You ran a comedy club. Uh, all sorts of experience in comedy, which uh, I've run uh, two comedy clubs. Sorry. Two comedy clubs. I, when I was first at Jokers, I left them. Because I got hired to be the manager at Comics at Foxwoods. I did not know that. And I, I was their house. I was their house comic, and um, for a year, and also managed there, and then left there because I got bored in an awesome place. Um, being at the casino was great. Performing in front of crowds like that was great. But I couldn't go anywhere else. So it was the same stage every day. And I lost those butterflies, the mm. thing you love to have when you go into a new room and prove yourself. Right. So I wasn't growing and. The comedy world in New England was forgetting who I was because I wasn't going anywhere else. Right. If you performed at the casino, you knew me. But no, everyone else, some people thought I quit because right. I was just stuck there. I couldn't, I contractually couldn't perform anywhere else. No um, because I, my job was to be the manager there and in that when I wasn't managing, performing. Right. So I left there, took a couple months off, and then the opportunity came to come back and manage Jokers again. So I actually had been there two different times in between Dan, with, with Dan Cowley. Okay. Ran. But um, that that in-betweens when he he used to work for me and took over when I left. Okay, yeah. See, I didn't know all that because I... I I when I met you, I, I was I was already back. The yeah, second time. that's what I figured. Now now that I, I think back to it, so all this experience running clubs, touring up and down, and uh, now you and you were writing articles for what what uh, what's the? It was called Laugh Staff. I don't no longer work for Laugh Staff, but that was something. Um, they approached me two years ago or almost three years ago. 
when Dave Chappelle and Tribe Called Quest were going to be on Saturday Night Live, when Trump had just become president, mm-hmm. um, I posted something on Facebook about how I really was looking forward to Saturday Night Live for the first time in a while. Because these were two people that, when I was growing up, two gr- groups of ideas of pe- people that would speak their mind. And I wanted to hear their thoughts on something new like this. Right. I was excited to hear Chappelle. He hadn't been, now he's not a bunch of special, but he hadn't really been out in the public in a long time. Yeah, we hadn't heard from we him. We hadn't so heard from Tribe Called Quest in a long time either. And they were all going to come out and do something. And I was excited. So I wrote a post on Facebook about it, and a guy named Cameron Amigo, who's a comic, he was out of New York, originally out of Cleveland, he runs a group called Laugh Staff. They're no- mostly known for writing best man speeches and other wedding type things with other comedy elements too right. on their site. He had messaged me and said, hey, would you want to write an article based on what you see when you watch the show? I liked your passion and your post. I said, sure, I've not really written anything before, but sure. I wrote that. They liked it. They said, you want to try doing that again? I wrote another thing on something else. I think it was when David Blaine did some dumb magic. They made fun of that. Then he said, would you mind doing like a comedy diary every week? You're you're a comic that works really hard, but you're unknown. People like to hear that struggle. I started to do that for a week or two, but I didn't like the whole comedy diary thing because it just felt odd. Like it almost forced like, you know, today I battled this audience. Right, right. And I'm like, so I started thinking about what I was dealing with, and I just started realizing that it was easier for me to focus on things I was struggling with in comedy or watching other comics struggle with. Right. So I said, could I write like an advice type thing? And they said, yeah, I guess you can try that. And I started doing it and it started gaining popularity right away. So we were getting like 10 or 20 views, jumping up to 100, 200, then like thousands of views. And it was being shared. I'd have friends say to me, hey, do you know your article's being discussed in the Hawaiian comedy group? That's what I was going to say. It got real niche, right? It it got all over. It got to all like the little uh, comedy scenes that are similar to ours where they're not really on the map. Right. Even the ones that were on the map, they were all discussing the article. They wouldn't contact me or do whatever. It was funny. I'd find out. Well, because they didn't even know who it was from or whatever. They're just, people were having these things, but it was things they were all dealing with every day. Right. And it was really relating to the, the, the comic like you and I who are there in the trenches now. Not... Most comedy articles and advice come from people that are super successful and they're talking about what they used to do from a place that they aren't at anymore. Yeah. I'm literally talking about I'm here with you right now doing doing it. it. (laughs) And this is the stuff you need to know. Not like the comedy Bible, I'm not trying to crap on that, but all those books that came out like that, those those books talk to you about pipe dreams. Mm -hmm. Like, like, oh, when you write your first uh, TV script or when you're on Johnny Carson for the first time, like, and all these things. It's like, that's not, that's that's 1% gets that. True. Well, I'd rather talk to you about, hey, how do you ask if you're getting paid? Like, how do you, when, when, you think you have five minutes, but you really only have three. How do you know what to keep? How do you edit this? How do you, how do you know your voice on stage? Yeah. How do you, how do you not embarrass yourself at open mic? How do you make sure that, the, that you don't get a bad reputation? All the things you deal with in comedy, those little things that you're not sure who to ask, they're there. And I yeah. started writing that. And after a couple of years, um, People started asking me about, hey, can you put this together in a collection? It's just all over the place. Right. That'd be great if that was a book. Right. And that the same, that then Laugh Staff was kind of going through things with their wedding stuff, this and that. And they were kind of like talking about the book, but at the same time, we're like, we're not sure how long it would take. And I got, once they mentioned a book, I got excited. So right. I said, if you guys aren't going to do something, I'm going to do it on my own. And then I reached out to uh, someone who runs uh, Dirt Sugar Media and, uh, she was like, yeah, I'm on board with that. And then she helped me produce it and uh, publish it and put it out. And we put it as an ebook in January and people started jumping at it right away. And now all of a sudden all these articles and I try to think of the perfect title and I'm like, 
People always say to me, is that, can, can you make someone better at comedy? You, you, you know, classes, isn't that? No, but I go, I can teach them how to not suck. And that kind of stuck. So, like, yeah. how not to suck at comedy, that's all it's going to do. You're right. just not going to, you'll suck less than you do now. And that is the name of the book that he's put together. And now it's a paperback. How Not to Suck at Comedy by Pat Oates. Uh, Forward by uh, Rick Jenkins, by the way, who is the uh, owner of the comedy studio in Boston, who has been, you know, for over 30 years working with the greatest comics that ever come out of Boston. I mean, er, you name anyone that came out of Boston, they've gone through him. He was the, one of the first guys that... And a lot of the biggest any, comics performing in the world right, are, are from from that Boston And scene. he was one of the first guys when I was writing articles that he would share it. And I was like, wow, this guy, he, he knows comedy. Yeah. And he messaged me and he's like, I love these articles. I'm telling comics to read them. So when we did it, I messaged him and said, was there any chance you'd write the forward? He's like, I'd love to. That's so, so cool. And, and, uh, we've just actually sent him two books. He's going to be putting them up at the, at the studio there in Boston. And um, it's or Somerville now they just move, but still right in the bo- heart of Boston area. Right. And um, it's really cool to have some like someone like that believe in your articles and mm-hmm. things like that. So, and uh, it's really awesome to just just to be able to hold like so he uh, he gave me a copy of it today, and uh, it's just awesome to be able to hold a physical copy of something that, like a, a physical tangible representation of something that any comedian in Connecticut already knows was true. It's just that you've always been. Uh, very willing and very, uh, very willing to help any young comics through any th- any questions that they have, right? Like, like I, f- I feel like that was always a personality trait of you, even at your most dickish. Like whenever, even even when you were, you know, like that. What we were talking about when you were a little, you know, uh, when, when you were like dealing with the uh, jokers and being stressed out and not being able to be one of the guys and but all that stuff. Like you still were so helpful. You would still. I, I, I mean, but I, I had to be. You had to be because right. we had no money. That club was run on nothing. So therefore, I all I all I could do was work with the young comics that came around. Right. So if I didn't act on it and I didn't try to help comics get better, then where who was I going to put on stage? It was almost out of a thing of necessity. It was like wow. I had I had to look at a farm system. It was almost like I was running like yeah. a, a, a crappy baseball team with and I had no money. So instead of being the, I couldn't be the Yankees and go out and buy free agents. Yeah. I had to turn and go. Okay, I can afford guys who I, I gave a lot of guys who are now big headliners their first headlining spots. Like guys like um like Luis Gomez his first time headlining was there. Uh, oh really? Joe yeah. List, Mark Norman it wasn't their first time, but they weren't headliners yet. But I Yamanika who's now huge. Oh, these are all people that I was able to like I knew yeah, that those are performing. Yeah. And I got to go to you know Rachel Feinstein we had at um you know at our New Year's Eve. They weren't really working huge places or anywhere yet. I was able to get them to come from New York because I had worked with them places. So then I was taking comics that would normally be thought of as hosts at the time, like Dan Kyle White and stuff like that, and say, "Hey, I'll let you try to do twenty five minutes mm-hmm. because I can afford to do it. The pay's not great, whatever, but I'll help you build that way." And then the young comics who weren't ready to host yet, I threw them to the fire and said, "Okay, you're ready. Let's do this." Mm-hmm. And then taking the, the brand new people and saying, "I'm going to give you a guest spot on the show." Because I want you to see what you're writing towards. Because we go to open mics, we don't know, we're working, we're working, but we don't know what towards. We don't know what the reasoning, why we're working, what we have to do. So if you see an audience, then you go, okay, that's what I'm working towards. Now I know what I have to do, and I had to take those chances. So therefore, I did have to kind of nurture and help and give advice, and a lot of comics didn't want it, but some did, and the ones that did, I helped, if you listened to me, I was going to help move you forward. And But it was a, because I love comedy, but B, out of necessity, I had to. I never knew that second part. I knew, I know you love comedy. Everyone knows you love comedy. You, you already said that in your uh, quite, uh, answer earlier that it's you second, second to your kids. But uh, I didn't know that second part was the idea was that you were making the entire scene better so that jokers in general could do a little bit better. Like I had to build it through. I, I wanted. My goal was this: 
Let's say you walked in and you came to an open mic. It was your first time. And you're like, okay, what's the whole deal? You're talking to younger comics. And you're like, hey, if you come to these open mics, see that guy there, they point to me. He will help you out if you come to these open mics all the time. If you don't come to the mics, he won't really talk to you. Right. Because that's where he's going to see you. And then my goal was to take someone like you and go, okay, do open mics. Do that, whatever. I'd watch you a little bit. Go After a while, go, here's a shot. Do a guest spot. And then after the guest spot, I go, okay, hey, you want to try doing a spot on a Thursday show? There's no pay in it. But what you get a chance to be in front of an audience that's not an open mic. And you're like, okay, great. And now you go back to the Wednesday and you're excited because you're like, I did a Thursday show. You feel like a big boy comic now. Mm-hmm. And young comics who are newer come up to you and go, how'd you get the Thursday show? And you go, oh, if you just come to the mic and you work hard, that guy right there, he'll come to you and put you on the Thursday. And then you go talk to the guy who's all happy because he did his first guest spot on the Friday and Saturday weekends. And you're like, how'd you get that? Did you do the Thursdays? Yeah, I just did that. Oh, if he offers it again, do it again. You do like two of them, and then eventually he'll move you to the weekends. Right. And then everybody's, I'm building this chain where now you guys are my promoting. These young comics are now turning going, hey, young comic. Dan, how did you get the feature of the weekend? I used to go to the open mics all the time, and I'd be there in front of Pat. And I went there and supported it. He put me on Thursdays. Next thing I know, I'm on Fridays and Saturdays. And after a while, he let me do that. And now I'm middling here. And because of that, other clubs now know I exist, and I'm getting the host there. So cool. And then they would turn to the new kid and go, I want to start doing comedy. Where should I go? Go to the open mic at Joker's Wild. So I didn't have any money, so I couldn't advertise. So I built this like this whole underground grassroots thing where the comics did it for me. Yeah, and that's no, why there, I, there definitely was a well-installed scene in the the comics loved that place. I it was my hell. Oh, I loved it. But every comic talks about how they missed it. I hated it because oh, I, I was imagine. stuck there, and also there was no up for me. I was already right, like, yeah. all right, I'm already doing all the free gigs. I can't yeah. grow here, and yeah. I couldn't leave to go do anything else. So that I mean, when it went under, I was happy because it really was. There was no. It was never going to get better. Yeah, but that was my whole thing. I had like, I had no budget legitimately, so was, I had to work with that. It was like a dead end job for comedy. Where like you, were, it wasn't even for comedy. If you anyone who takes a job on is running a club, whatever, then you're a comic. It's your comedy's going to suffer no matter what. You'll never get better at comedy because you can't focus on all those things. And people, even though you think you're being seen, you're not really. You're you're in one spot all the time. You're not out there enough. Your name's going getting lower and lower and, and getting lost. So it, to me, you can't really do both successfully. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I just knew I had to, I was working with nothing. You know what I mean? It's like those restaurants where like, you see like the big dinner on a Friday, Saturday. So you know what this, you know what the special is on Tuesday. The Tuesday is the meatloaf version of that steak that you had on Friday, Saturday. But if they don't do that, they lose money. So they've got to take that and turn it to something else. And on Wednesday, they got to make it into a sauce because you've got to continue doing it. So I had to take whatever I had and continue to do it. You know what, Pat? I, I guess common sense wise i could have figured out what you just said about the restaurant industry where the stakes of one night end up being the meatloaf another but you yeah. just taught me that and it really fucked like i don't know if i'll ever order the meatloaf <laughs> no again. don't order the meatloaf <laughs> don't have the wednesday <laughs> sauce <laughs> and i know and i know what some of the listeners may be thinking stefano you haven't ever ordered meatloaf from a restaurant because nobody does that and i in fact have i'm a big fan of meatloaf so not as much anymore <laughs> no but i will definitely i don't know at a restaurant i will try the meatloaf i don't know why it's about and i don't like ketchup on a meatloaf but they'll always put it on there mm. but i'm always like intrigued they think that's okay right like, are you trying to make it look like cake it yeah. doesn't need to look like cake. Yeah, it does not need no to one wants red icing <laughs> no, we know not, what 
I, I ordered this because I'm disgusting. Right. Okay, it is a loaf of meat. I ordered it because I can't believe you're selling it. Yeah, right. I mean, that's basically what it <laughs> so is. So I want to see what you guys did with this disaster. <laughs> that next to sea bass? Seriously? Yeah. In the same sentence? Yeah, and I don't, oh, God. Like, I knew, I already knew the reason why they're going to offer you fish is not because it's the freshest fish in the world. No, because a truck broke <laughs> down. Exactly. They're going to it's because this is the last day they could sell. Oh, you should really try the fish. Oh, the fish. The fish. The fi- they're, they're pushing the fish because the fish is going to spoil by the end of the night. I worked at a place uh, when I was in college called uh, New West. It's in the Westville area of New Haven, Connecticut. And across the street was a place called the Cape Cotter, the shitty little bar. And um, uh, one day, the guy at Cape Cotter goes, come on over. The, the fish truck broke down. And the guy's out making phone calls. He had to go to a payphone. We're yeah. stealing all the fish. <laughs> so they went over, and I look over, and they're just stealing it. And then the next day, I, blatantly, a big poster the next day, you know, sea bass, two for whatever. It was like, <laughs> Ridiculous prices that would it never. It was free. And they're yeah. like, they're so excited. They had Cl- sea bass and Clearly cod. stolen prices. Stole. Come on over. We're stealing the fish. Yeah. No phones back then. You had to run over and tell a guy. Yeah. <laughs> r- come on over. We're stealing the fish. Uh, just right off the truck, huh? Off the truck. Co- what, fresh, cold fish. What could they even thing. do about it? Like, Well, not, A, there's nowhere to call in. B, right. it's not... It, 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 even if it is the guy's little business, he's probably working for somebody. Even if it's his own business, whatever. He can write it up to a loss. Insurance back then, no one was coming mm-hmm. out. You just called up and said, I got robbed. Right. And you did it. <laughs> and they didn't care. He probably, at, at the end of the day, I bet you with a guy at the Cape Cod who probably threw him 50 bucks saying, Dude, you didn't see nothing. Mm-hmm. And he was fine. So, uh... So you have your own, uh, well, a couple podcasts now, at least. So I know uh, Pat Oates is sad. Which Pat Oates is sad has been my, I, we have 225 episodes now. Yeah, that so was actually. four years. That, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you that, but that was the podcast that got me into podcasts. Because I never listened to podcasts before. And then when I started comedy, I'm like, well, how could I get, you know, I, I wanted, I was interested in getting more uh, familiar with the local scene. And I heard about Pat Oates is sad. You have a podcast. That's the name of uh, that podcast we're talking about, by the way, guys. Uh, Pat Oates is sad. And uh, I found out that you have a podcast where you talk about all this local stuff. I'm like, oh, perfect. And yeah, that was the now podcasts are such a huge part of my life. I'm recording one right now. But that podcast came about the same way that I had to work with jokers. Everyone else started having some podcasts like nationally and not too many in Connecticut. But also I was like I, I was bored, stuck at this building 12 hours a day. Right. So I was like, I want to do so. I was recording out of Jokers. Yeah, I remember that. And also, I would tell some young comics to come by, and I figured, who's going to listen to what I have to say? Young comics. Yeah. So if I have young comics come on, and I make them talk shit about the other young comics, the other young comics are going to go, hey, did you hear? Did they mentioned your name on that I podcast. Loved hearing. And then they listened, and we would on purpose do that, and then we would get these young comics listening, and they would tell their friends. So we started to build a little swell. So the beginning, I could do so much inside comedy talk oh, yeah. because that's the only thing I could do. Right. Because it was just, it was almost like their little soap opera of, of that town, mm-hmm. of New Haven. And that's we such did a good that. way to describe it. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That's what I was building. I, I knew yeah. exactly what we were trying to do. And I used to do it with this guy named Adam Bramson, who was around, and he was my producer guy. But he was too waka waka like morning show like he had hey. buzzers yeah all that and I, you know me that's not me that is not so, oh my god yeah that's that's anxiety for yeah. you <laughs> he couldn't make it one day and then Brandon Smith said to me I have equipment I can come down I said that'd be great and Brandon even him and I are very good friends now we didn't really know each other Such then a, his energy makes so much more sense for you because he's just chill and just lets me do me right and then if he does add something in he's one of these guys that has so much faith in his own self and life oh, and so happy yeah. that I can just tell him he's the stupidest person ever. And he's like, yeah, that's yeah, cool. He just laughs at all. And that's our he's dynamic. Yeah, it's he our is, dynamic. He, he is Teflon. Because he knows I do it out of a pace of love now. Right. It's like, it's, he's my sounding board and it's great. And that really built it there. But yeah, I started doing that because, and that became, as you know, even doing this, 
it's a new way for your creative mind to put places, mm-hmm. put things. Like I, I was I, I'm writing jokes or I'm writing articles, and then I get these other ideas. I'm like, they don't fit here or fit there. I go, but they fit here. Exactly. And now, I, and also, I can get new ideas and think about that. I don't usually take things I say on the podcast and put them into jokes. I know some people do yeah. that. I don't. I just separate church and state. Usually with all that, but I love this idea of being able to just talk and create more, and it gets my mind going for other projects. Well, yeah, just ideas. just to exercise your stream of consciousness in that way to to let yourself go on these little rants without, especially with nobody, basically nobody answering back. That's what I'm going to like about this podcast. I haven't recorded any yet, but I'm going to be doing uh, little monologues beforehand and just exploring your own mind in a room where nobody's answering back, you know, taking an idea and stretching it out. And it's not that like you could sort, you can't really do that at open mics because what you have five minutes, you have, you go in there with an idea or a joke or something that you have to work out. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's no real other medium like it. Even if no one ever listens to your podcast, just the idea, just to be able to, uh, operate in that manner, it's going to add a lot more value to, to you because you're, you're, you're exercising a whole new art form and it is an art form, you know, it's, 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 it's this whole new, whole new thing. And so, I mean, and obviously it's gotten you great at broadcasting in general and being able to do this being on the air because you have your second podcast now, right? Well, we have two others. They all start, they both start at the same time. One's a wrestling niche one called Podcast 316. They do with a comic slash wrestling announcer named Derek Moore out of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And we do that every Derek week. Moore's and that's cool just dude. all, that's just all wrestling talk. Right. Uh, very niche, whatever. But it, 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 it's, a, it's a passion thing. I've been watching wrestling since I was a kid. So we, it's, yeah. I don't like talking about it on anything else. I don't like, tying it into my comedy or anything else so it was good to have a separate place right now when i was doing patio to sad and i've been and also working at jokers i became friends with stash makita and stash and i have a good rapport back and episode forth. two and um he's um one of my uh favorite people to chat with when it comes to a podcast so when brandon couldn't make it i have him sit in a lot mm-hmm. but when he sat in it was a different dynamic and i realized that he wasn't he he wasn't fit right as a second chair like my you know my little bitch if you will he was my yeah. epic man he wasn't my good sidekick yeah that's not Stasha that was, it didn't work right because he would he's he doesn't say a lot but when he does chime in he will oppose me and I mm-hmm. like that but with Pat just said it's not about that yeah so I was trying to think of a thing so I said to him what if we came up with something where we can you and I can be like co-hosts together and we, one thing we talked that we had in common is that we, a lot of things make us uncomfortable right so we started <laughs> thinking of that and one day I was I was in Target looking at uncomfortable people as I was and I messaged him I said what about discomfort in and then he sent me the logo of the comfort in all distorted and all that messed yeah. up right away and goes in two seconds it goes yes yeah, so we started doing that podcast and you've been a guest that was our most listened to episode so far so thank really? you well all your meathead friends are amazing oh that's a good point that's no, they're amazing point, yeah. and also that topic the gym is a big topic yeah people, it is that's what's one people can relate to uh, when people ask me now we've only done 10 episodes when they ask to listen to it I tell them that's the first one to listen to fuck yeah because you can relate to it no matter what yeah. it's a even if you don't ever work out you're like yeah, yeah I hate that and I've heard those things you know and well because we, a lot of people who don't all right, so a lot of people who work out obviously relate to it and a lot of people who don't work out the reason they don't work out is because they got uncomfortable with right. the things that we talked about yeah, that, that chases a lot of people out of the gym and weirdly enough I know some people that said we dispelled some rumors like it's not really this it's not really that yeah you know, we, we didn't it's the hardest thing about that podcast is, and I try to convince each guest when they come on. Episode what? So people could go, go back That to one it? was episode six, five or six, but it's yeah. not many, like 10. So it's, it's, it's titled The Gym. Yeah, find the, the episode that I'm on of uh, Discomfort and Folks. That was a really good go. one. And then, um, but the thing is, is like, the hardest thing with that podcast is not becoming a hate fest. I want to make each guest, they're like, I hate this. Like, That's great. 
It's about what makes you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I think people relate more to awkwardness, yeah. to that feeling of like, oh my god, I can't handle this, but not like I hate this, because yeah. that's not there's too much of that. And mm -hmm. I thought it'd be more fun to go that route, and so, it challenges us sometimes to do that. Yeah, dis discomfort is a little bit harder to talk about than hate. It's right. because but, you're dealing with real insecurities. Well, because it's just it's uncomfortable. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole point. Exactly. And that's yeah. what I like about that. Yeah. But him and I can do that more because our rapport is better. To just say I hate something, you can do that with anybody. Mm -hmm. But that one, it, 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 we had different guests on. Josh Levinson was a guest that was on, and we did one about restaurants, and he was really good on that one. We've had a bunch of different kind. We've done a couple alone. We just did one, just him and I, about the beach and like and body shaming and, and, and weird body parts and all the things you see, yeah, yeah. naked kids and all the terribleness. But it's been fun to do all these podcasts, and it's also just made me find another passion. I like not shutting the fuck up. I really that's enjoy true. just talking. That's, that's um, your thing, Pat. Everything. Like, I do a lot of Pat Oates is Sad. I, Brandon will be on there, but I do at least one a month of just no one on but me. Yeah. And do over an hour of just talking. And I just, it, it exercises the muscles I need to do stand-up for 45 minutes to an hour. Right. Because just keeping it, I can do it without an audience, so I don't need the audience to be entertained. I'm starting to learn that. You know what I mean? So it's like, it does help that, but it also because, you know, I'd rather talk to me than other people most of the time. So. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm, I I understand that one entirely. So all this uh, all, all this broadcasting stuff, and that's also led you to start getting like other than the po podcast. Now you're starting to get onto like uh, radio shows a lot. Like right. I know you do like ninety nine one a lot uh, with Chaz and AJ. I started off doing. Know about. There was one in Western Mass called Bax and O'Brien, which is the Chaz and AJ of Western Massachusetts, right. the classic rock station. When I had a friend of mine, listen, when I first, I'm the Chaz and AJ of Western Massachusetts. They are, How dare you? They're called Bax and O'Brien, <laughs> and um, their producer Steve Nagel was a guy. When I first started doing comedy, I started with him. He doesn't really do comedy anymore, but I met him 12 years ago because comedy was a lot, lot bigger in Hartford and in Western Mass than it was in New Haven and these areas. That, that's where you went in Connecticut at the beginning, back up, up that way. Yeah, and I met. Him and so, so when he got became the producer of that show, and I won last comics comics with an X, say it hard, last yeah. comic standing at, yeah. co at comics on Higgins Sun. People are like, oh, did you win the TV show? Exactly. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was the black guy in season five. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so but I, when I won that, he hit me up and said, would you want to come on and talk about that on the radio? And a couple years ago, and I said sure, and I called in. And afterwards, I got a message from one of the, the personalities on the show who said, "You, I mean, no one's usually funny at 7 a.m. and you were so quick. Would you want to come in sometime and sit with us? And I said, sure. So also when I started going on, it wasn't just a 15-minute segment. I would just come in for an hour and he would start off. The guy backs. It helped a lot. He would say, all right, we're here for an hour with Pat Oates. And, let's, and what makes Pat Oates sad? Legitimately plugging my podcast with the name of the hour and then just let me talk and they would chime in. On their radio show. Yeah. And it started building confidence in me to do that. And then in here in, in this area, I did a roast for uh, uh, one of the afternoon WPLR people named uh, the, the Wigmaster. Mm. They hired me to be on a roast, and I trashed all them. And then the general manager of PLR and AJ, one of the personalities on the show, said, hey, would you want to be on our show? You were hilarious there. I said, sure. So I sat in, and theirs is from 7 to 10 in the morning, and usually comics come on for an hour. But they're like, I want you to sit in for all three. And so for the last couple of years now, I've been kind of doing back and forth, but doing more of Chaz and AJ. And I sit in for three hours and I just chime in on whatever. And then got the opportunity to be on the Anthony Cumia show, which uh, from Opie and Anthony theme right, back in the deal, day. Yeah. And I got to be on there and they've already asked me to come back. And it's all just training that new muscle, being able yeah. to just be. And it's another muscle I had because I'm decent with crowd work and things like that on stage. But now I'm allowed to be quick in a different dynamic. I can yeah. host a show, but I can also chime in on other people's thoughts, which I never thought I could do. 
because that, that's like an improv muscle that I didn't think I had. Because playing along. <laughs> no, but I, I can be quick and I can come up with things, but I always was too selfish. I know for a fact with improv, it's hard for me because I always want the punchline. And yeah. sometimes you have to be the setup guy when you're on a radio show or an improv. And right. You have to be able to give the other person the chance to laugh so the whole thing works. And I'm starting to learn that. But for the longest time, I couldn't do that. And I that, had that last voice. And that's such an awesome insight into getting better at anything in general. If you're able to look at a terrible part of yourself and 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 understand like understand that you just said you were being selfish all the and and uh to be able to look at yourself and make that judgment on yourself when you are able to do stuff like that it it makes getting better at whatever you're trying to improve on i don't want to say easier but you'll start that real journey it makes it possible exactly about easier it just i for the longest time i said well i'm a comedian so i have to be selfish because it's about me and then I said, yeah, but if I want to expand, if I want to understand the entire audience, I have to understand how they think too. So I can, you can relate to a point, but if I don't understand how each one of them think, how am I going to be universal? So therefore, I have to start listening to other people. I have to start letting other people say things. And how do you do that by doing these kind of shows where you let other people speak? So I had to kind of be. You have to humble yourself and say you don't know everything. You can't handle everything, and try to do things you don't know yet, and that'll make your strengths even stronger. Right, you know, so and it, it just makes it more possible to, to open the door that way. So, leading to what you were saying, uh, my last appearance last week, I was on um, Chaz and AJ, just hanging out for a couple hours, and I messaged the gentleman. And this is a message I'm trying to tell people now. This is the the biggest lesson I've learned in comedy and in life, whatever. Everybody works hard. Everybody always complains. How do I get this? How do I get that? No one's recognizing me here or there. While being on these the shows all the time, I become friendly with the general managers and all that stuff. And I sat down on Friday afternoon and said. I was really good today on there. And every time I'm on there, people will make comments. It's not me saying it. Even the people on the shows, the people, the fans are all that. Wow, Pat, when you're on there, it's a lot of fun. When I was at Andy Cumia, they said, wow, you were really quick. This is great. When I'm on every other radio show, wow, you're good at that. And I'm starting to enjoy it. I'm doing all these podcasts, four years of podcasting. So I just messaged the guy and said, hey, I don't know if you ever would think of this, but do you ever think I have an opportunity to be part of a show on the radio or stuff like that. I do have some experience. I know this stuff. I have to learn some of the technical sides of real radio and some of the, and the structure and all that. But is there ever a shot? Knowing that the message is going to be like, either ignore me or, eh, you know, Pat, we appreciate it, but it's not something we're looking for. Yeah. But I used to just go, I already know the answer, so why am I asking? Right. But lately I've been telling myself, like with the book and everything, just ask. Just go to someone and say, hey, can you make a book with me? And they'll go, okay. The kids like, are calling Can I be on this comedy show? Yeah. You know, that's it. Can I have a comedy show? Sure. But the kids are saying that, but the kids aren't, the kids are kind of really doing it themselves. Yeah. The, because they can just go, I'm, mom, buy me a camera so I can be on YouTube. I have to ask real people. Yeah, that's a good point. Things that have established things that don't want some guy coming in. They've been working 30 years to do stuff. Can I do something? And within an hour, I got a message back and said, we do look at you that way. We think you'd be a perfect fit as a second fiddle or or, or, or a, a comedy help to a show or something like that. Uh, can't really offer you a ton right now, but what if we could offer you part-time where we can train you on the radio structure, but then also you learn that with the hopes of you becoming one of these things on the sh adding to a show later on. Right. So that's going to be a new venture that I'm going to start doing too. That is so gonna, cool. I'm going to work with a bunch of... It's, it, they have like six different radio stations under their belt. One or two they're going to focus with right now. They're not saying exactly what the station is yet because they're going to try to find the best fit. But I'm going to be learning that while doing everything else. So to me, it's all because I just asked. Exactly. I just asked. And it's also something new. And then when all these comics, when they first start out and they all say all the time, well, I'm this kind of comic or I want to do this thing or my goal is this. It's like I learned real quickly, don't do that. Set 
goals for yourself. I want to hit this many mics. I want to get build this many minutes. I want to do this. But don't put yourself on blinders and say, I have to become this thing. Because once I started realizing that I don't, I should just let every door open, you don't know what door is going to be there. Five years ago, I never thought I'd write anything. I was a crowd work guy who didn't even write jokes. Once I changed my life, sobered up, lost weight, changed my, posit- my mind to a positive setting and all day, and started believing in myself more, now I'm an author, which is real freaking weird you to me. You fucking hear that, folks? That no one knows me. You hear that shit? But Get your shit in line and look no, what happens. But now I'm not getting, that's not getting shit. I mean, that's, uh, that did help to do that, but it's not getting in line. It's just that I did, forever I said, I'm not a writer, I can't do it. But instead, I just didn't think that. I just started doing things, and then the opportunity presented itself. I never thought I would do any podcast, and if I, even if I did, I'm like, who will listen to it? Next thing I know, I'm getting chances to be on national radio shows, and now getting a chance to, to pursue that way as well. Right. Stand up, all those things. I keep just now just letting doors open. Work hard, and people will notice you, but ask questions too. They're not going to just notice you. you got to still say, hey, I'm right here. Hell yeah, dude. That's an awesome message, man. And, uh... And yeah, I mean, it absolutely shows. Well, also be good at it. Well, yeah, no, don't that, suck. Here, see, that's the thing. How not to suck comedy. The problem, the other title comes from this. The plug. People look at me. I've always said, and it's not me shitting on myself. It's just real. I'll see other comics post a thing like, I'm performing at the casino, you know, and they're like, wow, good for you. Congrats. A million likes. Congratulations. Right. I'm at the casino. I get 50 messages. How do you get that gig? Because when people see me do something, they go, well, if that guy can get it, I can get it. I'm right. da- I've always been that guy. Because <laughs> on the outside, I'm just plain old middle-aged white guy. And right. they're like, well, middle-aged white guy could do it. Come on. Pat, Pat got it. I should get it. Right. And people have always said that. But then they try to get the thing. And I'm like, oh, wait, he must also work hard, too. He must yeah, also like, put work at it. But so many people just go, well, just give it to me. Right. So, yeah, ask the question. But have the, have the backup to... Back it up once they say yes to know what you're doing. Don't mm-hmm. say, can I be president? And they're like, well, sure. But do you know what you're talking about? No. <laughs> no, no, know what you're doing, you know? Although that did end up working out. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest prank of all time. It really is. It man. really is. <laughs> Forget Impractical really Jokers. It's the greatest prank of all time. I hate... Uh, I hate in your grandchildren's history books, he's going to have a huge section. It's so That's true. real. It's so true, man. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. So, um, so, all right. So I'm going to like, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this podcast. I know that I want this to, is the last one. It's, it, this is very, it's it. very possible. Um, but I do know that I want to host whatever episodes I do forever. Like, you know, if I end up making 10 episodes, it's 10 episodes. I always want them to be up. I always want them to be able to listen to. And in that, I kind of asked towards the end of the episode uh, for for my guest to um, quote unquote speak something into infinity, whether it's a piece of advice or uh, something, just something that you want to last. Like you've said so many things in this episode alone that are very quotable, uh, very good uh, words to live by. You could take these con- this the, the comedy advice you give and apply it to life as uh, as far as uh, what, what you said. But like, if you could just get something down. In stone, it's there forever for anyone to hear, see, what would that be? So much. I love the look on people's faces. No, I no, no. I, Frankie I, almost reached across the table and choked me. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, my my book and everything, it's, it's, I've made up my own little phrases and sayings and all these things. It's easy just to go to all that stuff. Right. But at the, at, at the end of the day... And it's going to be in a couple sentences because I'm long-winded. Yeah, it, it, it could be a whole paragraph. What's it? I don't know it starts off by me saying this. Go ahead, look for Bigfoot. And by that, I mean this. 
Don't let anyone ever tell you that what you want to do is stupid. Ever. The hardest thing in the world is that too many parents, people in life want to sit there and say, I'm disappointed in this. I don't think you should do that. That's the wrong direction. If you're like, we're only on this earth for so long. I, I, when I first started going through life, I, I'm one of six kids. All the other kids under me are more successful when you look at money-wise. But I'm happier than all of them. I mean, the thing was this. I took chances. I, I, I got a divorce. I guess now I'm, I'm broke as can be, but I'm happy in life. I'm doing all the things I want to do. I have the love of my children. I love them. They love me. I love what I do in comedy. I love reaching out to people. I love everything I do for money or for hobby or for whatever is something I enjoy. There's nothing that I don't do every day when I wake up. Going to the gym, running, everything I do, I enjoy. Someone could turn to me and say, well, Pat, you don't have, you know, where's your pension going to come from? Where's, where's your 401k? Where's your big house? Where's your car? Where all these things? You know what? That's your problem. That's your worry in your head. You live your life. Don't waste a moment of your life worrying about what I'm doing or what anyone else is doing. If I want to go fucking look for Bigfoot, let me go look for Bigfoot. Even if he's not there, if that gets me through my days till I pass, so what? Or just be happy. Just enjoy what's in your dumb dome till you're gone. How? So that's, I mean, just search for it. Do it. Go look for, for Bigfoot. Big I love him. that, dude. I'm never going to forget that. I love that so much. That is the working title of the next book I'm writing because it's more oh, of a I mindset thing. But like, I, that's a thing I've been well, kind of pre- preaching to people a lot. Just I understand go it for entirely. It. I under, like, I, like, I hear the sentence you're saying, but I, your explanation, like, it makes, it all makes so much sense. Because man. it's like, well, at the end of the day, people get mad and go, look at the guy spending a million dollars trying to find a thing that's not real. So what? Yeah. What's the I know I'm it, looking for Is Bigfoot. it hurting? Is it hurting for you? Yeah. Is it hurting you? No. It's true, dude. Let them do it. It's not about finding Bigfoot. It's just about doing the thing you love. Yeah. Just let people do their thing. Yeah. No, you can't do. People probably say to you, "What are you doing the podcast for?" That's exactly don't, it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it at all. You worry about you. Exactly. I'm no. not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you. Don't do that to people. Never use the word disappoint. And that. And that. Because that's a, that's a power you're putting on yourself. That's a toxic thing you're throwing yeah. at someone. You're disappointed. Who are you? Yeah. Go have some fun. Yeah. No. That's and and that speaks to something like I personally try to uh, incorporate into my life, which is I'm always adding. Like it. It's never about money. I'm always doing the next thing that I do because I think I might love it, or I tried it and I liked it and ended up liking it a whole lot more. Like with theater like with comedy like with podcasting like with lifting and all the training all the different stuff i do none of this shit's making me money but i roll out of bed every day excited to mm-hmm. live life and you know just, you're happy i want to go look for bigfoot pat i, I want to learn fucking day I, I, I would like to learn that there's no bigfoot or there is and there's a ton of them and they're cool or they're terrible exactly. or they're jerks they're the jerks point with is that mustache. the Who point cares? is that you enjoy Looking for them. You enjoyed the journey. It's the thing you want to do. Fuck Anyone wants yeah. to do whatever they do, let them do that. If they're good at it, they're bad at it, whatever. If, it, if you get to roll out of bed every day with a smile on your face and you don't go to bed being put to sleep by you know scary little depression sheep jumping over a thing and you can just fall down and go to sleep because you had a day of trying to learn and explore, even if it didn't go your way, you know, you're going to have you know troubles. You're going to have obstacles in your way. At least you're tr- doing those obstacles against things that you want. Love so just it. look for the motherfucking Bigfoot. That's it. I love it, man. So, are you good on that? I'm good. I'm good on all things. That's phenomenal, man. Awesome here. Any last things to plug just uh, before we wrap it Patouts.com. up? Um, it's cool. got everything on there. It's got my uh, my albums. I have two albums. Uh, good try and how not. And uh, no, I'm sorry, that's the book. Good, good try and uh, birthday like a funeral. My two albums and then how not to Psych comedy. You can get the book or the ebook through the website as well or on Amazon. 
Uh, all my comedy dates are also on there as well. And you can check out my video when I pretended my mom was dead on TLC. Oh, that's right. That was a thing. Yeah, awesome. that's a real thing. And of course, even though all you guys are probably here from my Instagram, but you can follow me on Instagram, StephaBro93, uh, StephaBro on Twitter. And you can add me on Facebook, Stefano Sanzo. Uh, you could always find me. And uh, on that note, we're all done here. As always, folks, drink more water and be nicer to each other. <laughs>